Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Before we move into our scripture time and read that, I want to go ahead and ask you to do something. Whether you're here in the building or online, go ahead and get your communion elements. I want you to know if you're new with us or visiting with us, you don't have to be a member of Cross Community Church in order to take communion. If you're hungry for the Jesus that we're going to talk about in just a minute, you're welcome to participate. You should have gotten that on your way in during this time of COVID. Uh, we're doing what I like to call affectionately Mick Communion. Uh, it's prepackaged. It's all ready to go for you. If you're, if you're with us online, go ahead and find some crackers in your home, some juice or a piece of bread and some juice. And if you can at home, uh, where somebody won't get into it, if you don't have kids or dogs running around, uh, Put it in a place where you can see communion today, uh, where you can see those elements. It's going to be a major part at the end of the service in kind of drawing everything together. And so I want to encourage you to go ahead and get that ready. Uh, for those of you who are here in the building, you can maybe take off the, the noisy part at the top and have that bread. You may want to hold the juice for a second because it's going to be a little while before we get to that. So Uh, Keep that where you are, but we want, we're going to really move towards in this closing of this series, in this last word to the church today, as well as the church long ago, we're going to hear the last word today. And so I invite you to take your Bibles, however you get them, in book form or in app form, go ahead and open them, turn them on, and find your way to Revelation chapter 3. And we're going to begin at verse 14. The message to the church in Laodicea. And remember, this is a revelation and where these letters are being sent out to what the, what's written here is the angel of the church. And we've been talking about that being the ethos of that particular congregation and how all of these words, as we sum up all of the words to all of the churches, just kind of roll down through history to us today. And we can find where they apply to our lives as individual Christians and to our life together as a congregation, as a church. So we want to invite you to lean in and hear about this today. Because these are the words of Jesus to the church then and today, I'm going to invite you to stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the words of Christ this morning. Hear the word of our Lord from Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 14. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the origin of God's creation. I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold, or I'm sorry, you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich and I have prospered and I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind and naked. 
Therefore, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, that you may be rich, and white robes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen, and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne, just as I myself conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. This is the word of God to the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. I think I may have shared this illustration once before with you. But it just fits here today, and it's worth retelling, and most of you wouldn't remember the last time I told it anyways. I had the opportunity when I was going into sixth grade, a beautiful opportunity, uh, my parents moved. Dad was called to a church in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, We lived in Harlingen, which is about six miles north of the Mexican border. And uh, most of my classes were, you know, around 90 to 95 percent people of Mexican descent in one way or another. And uh, as you can know, I mean, it wasn't just the shock of moving from, you know, suburbs of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania down to Texas that created some of the shock and awe of that uh, that time. But there were also a lot of the cultural things that you just didn't know about and you, you had to walk in. And I remember one of these as we're kind of moving into Lent before we get to Easter. In Easter, right in northern Mexico and right along a lot of the border states, um, there is this popular thing that happens right at Easter time. And uh, they are called... Cascarones. How many of you have ever heard of Cascarones? All right, some of you have. We knew nothing about Cascarones. And so on Easter Sunday, after church, we are all at home. We had finished our ham dinner. And all of a sudden, there was a knock at the door. And my brother Vince ran to the door and opened the door. And it was Carlos, the boy his age, just who lived right across the street. And uh, Carlos, so all I hear is the door open. I hear, hey, Carlos. And then I hear, Happy Easter! Whack! And there's silence. And I hear the door slam. And I hear Vince begin to cry. I begin to hear him yell, Mom! And he runs down the hallway. Carlos was inviting, uh, was inviting Vince into the celebration of Cascarones. It's a confetti egg. It's an egg that's filled with confetti. They take out the uh, the egg yolk and the whites and they dry them and they add paper and all kinds of good stuff in there. And it's a celebration, just like the tomb was empty and so we can be joyous. The egg is empty and it's not going to be filled with slimy stuff. It's going to be filled with a party. But Vince didn't know this. And, and so he was scared and it wasn't until Carlos's mom called my mom to say, can I tell you about Cascarones? (laughs) 
After that, they had loads of fun breaking cascaronis over each other's heads. There was confetti in the neighborhood for weeks. But you didn't know, when you didn't know, it seemed so harsh. But it was really an invitation into something joyous. Now today, in this passage, I think there are a lot of cascarones in this passage that we really need to have Carlos's mom come. She's not here today, so you have to settle for me. To explain what is going on with Jesus' words to this church. I think when it comes to the church of Laodicea and this letter, this word from Jesus through John to that church, is probably the most famous of all of the letters. How many of you have heard a message or two about lukewarm, hot, cold, you know, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, lots of you. If you've been around the church, this one tends to get preached a lot. But I want us to look into some things because it's really going to clarify some of what Jesus' yes, corrective message. We've been saying all along, Jesus, in all of these sermons, he celebrates where the church's ethos is following after what he's about and when they're off. He's correcting them. And this is definitely a message of correction. And it's meant to get your attention. And it's meant to make you uncomfortable. To pull you back in line with the ethos of what Jesus is all about in our world. And longs for his church, the body, his called out ones to be a part of. So let's look at. And first of all, you need to understand some things about the city of Laodicea. So are you ready for a five to ten minute history lesson? Is that okay? We're just going to jump in our time machine. We're going to go back to Laodicea. We get out. And this city is, a, is a, an incredibly prosperous city. And one of the things that they are known for, they're known for four things. The first thing they're known for is they are very wealthy. And they are very good at banking. They loan and get interest back. They, they are just really good at this. They're, they're on a few trade routes. And so lots of stuff moving in and through the city of Laodicea. And they capitalize on that by having a lot of money in banks and they know how to do this. We see this in a few ways. Do you remember last week, Philadelphia, there was an earthquake in 17 AD and that caused the emperor to say, I will come to you. Basically, I'll send you money. And they, they built a temple for him to say thank you and all of those kinds of things. Well, that same earthquake also leveled the city of Laodicea. And the emperor also helped them. The problem was that Laodicea saw that when there's political money given, there are political strings that are attached. I know that doesn't happen today. We've, we've grown way beyond that time. So the next time there was an earthquake in 60 A.D., they said, no, thank you. We'll finance this one ourselves. That was unheard of in that day. It just goes to show how effective they were at banking and how they were able to raise funds and keep things to where when their city was leveled, they paid for it themselves. And they just kept on moving. The second thing that they were known for, and part of what brought so much money into the city of Laodicea, was they were known for a fancy black wool cloth. I don't know if they were just able to, they had certain sheep, or it was something in the way that they manufactured it. I tried and looked to find that. I did see a lot of pictures of black sheep around But they were known for being able to manufacture this beautiful black wool cloth. 
And that was important in those day and age. Not only does wool keep you warm, but when it's warm, think about a day like today where it's cold, but the sun is out. And if you are walking outside, you might be cold, but if you had on something black, it absorbs the heat and the sunlight, doesn't it? And it just, oh, it's, it's not so bad. I don't want to stay out here too long, but it's good. Ants. Also, I mean, come on, if you're wearing some bling, boy, wearing black just whew, makes it pop, right? And so, you know, if you've got something you want to show off, some jewelry or, or even some armor that might be made of brass, to have something black underneath it just mm, gives it that thing, you know. Walk the red carpet, you're ready to go. And so it was very sought after, and it was, it was kind of shipped out all throughout the empire. The other thing that they were known for that also brought money into the city was an eye salve that would had some healing properties. They were known for a lot of doctors and they had kind of what we would now call a hospital. They they would call it an Asclepion. That's the the, their Roman god of, of healing. And these guys would and ladies would work and do this. And somehow in the soil or some kind of chemical mixture, they had found a salve for the eyes that would help with infections and and clean things out and get people seeing better are things becoming clearer with your cascarones are you beginning to see this what jesus is talking about so can you imagine then how poignant it is when jesus comes to them and tells them you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiable you're poor you're blind and you're naked I mean, isn't Jesus just brilliant in the way he just crafts and tailors this message right for this church and uses metaphors that just fits with who those people are and who they're surrounded by? He just uses those examples and says there's something else that's going on here. You have been saying, I am prosperous and I need nothing. But I'm telling you, You're pitiable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. Let's move on. Remember, he is speaking this and calling this out, not to the city, but he's calling this out to the ethos of the church of Laodicea. He's saying to them, I mean, we'd be all fine if if they were saying that to the outside world. Oh, this, this world is terrible, it's blind and wretched, it's naked and poor, and they don't even... No, he's saying this to the church. Something has happened to this church where the ethos is so far off that Jesus is using the metaphor that the city is known for to bring correction to his church. He says, you, church, you may have salve in abundance around your city to heal blindness, but you're still blind. You may have fancy black wool and you think you're dressed But spiritually, you're naked. There may be money dripping and pouring out of this city. But you are poor. There's something so off. Do you think that would get our attention? I think it would. But let's move on. This church was participating in the ethos of the city. Not the ethos of the Savior. And now they were suffering whether they realized it. Or not. If we're going to capture that in a nutshell, there it is. They were captured by the ethos of the city, not the Savior. And they were suffering for it. And Jesus wants to call their attention to it. 
Now the last thing, and probably the most famous thing uh, of this passage, is what the city of Laodicea was known for, and it was for a very famous folly that they had. You see, they were they had no water source in this city. I have no idea why you would build a city with no water source, but they did. But they were near some. I mean, it wasn't, you know, like I can just walk there and back for, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner near. It was far enough away, but they had some distant hot water springs. And those springs were often visited uh, for their supposed healing purposes, to get in the jacuzzi. How many of you have aching joints and just feels good to take a hot bath? Or if there's a jacuzzi, boy, I'm all in. Yeah? And people would do that. They would trek over around the side of this mountain to the other side where there were some hot springs. And uh, and they would just love the healing property of that hot, hot water. There was also up in the mountains, there's snow. And, uh, and so there were some cold springs that were there as well. And they would come down the mountain. And, and those were so refreshing. But again, it was quite a hike to get to that refreshing water the healing hot water, or the refreshing cold water. And so they decided, hey, we're wealthy, we're fancy, we're smart, we can figure this out. And so they decided that they were going to build an aqueduct with pipes in it. Look at this. This is archaeological of of Laodicea. You see those, those bricks. They carved holes through these giant blocks of stone and lined them up with pipe in the middle. And they said, we are going to be a city known for, you don't have to walk all the way out to the hot springs for that healing water. We'll have that healing hot water right here, right in our city. And you don't have to walk all the way up the mountain to find the refreshing, cool springs. We're going to have that ice cold, cool, refreshing water right here in our city. Now, from the message that Jesus has talked about, you probably all already know why this is a famous folly. Because by the time the water traveled through the pipes, down the aqueduct, whether it was cold or hot mattered, not at all. The only thing that came out of those pipes was what? Lukewarm. And the problem was... The problem was that there was so much sodium in the hot springs water that it actually induced vomiting. So not only is it not a good source for getting into a nice hot bath for healing right here in the city, but if you drink it, it's not pretty. Do you see where Jesus is moving them here? Getting their attention, using something in their everyday to grab hold of them because they're off and they're suffering and they're becoming sick. And Jesus doesn't want that. He wants to pull them back into the way of life. Now, I've got to do a little bit of unpacking because many of you have heard sermons where this is presented in a much different way. And I can do this just really quickly. Here's how it goes. Hot equals you're on fire for Jesus. And you just tell everybody about Jesus and you read the Bible. And that's good. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's the way this is often preached. If you're hot, you're on fire for Jesus. If you're cold, you're an atheist. And the worst of all is to be somewhere between on fire for Jesus and, and an atheist. You've heard these sermons, haven't you? Yes. That's not what this is about. Oh, and then the result is this. You make Jesus want to vomit. But that's not what this is about. 
if you catch the full metaphor, if you let Carlos's mom explain to you the cascarones about this, you will come to a different conclusion. That this passage is not about your passion, it's about your proximity to his presence. Don't you like how that all has P in it? It's not about your passion. This is about your proximity to his presence. And that's what Jesus wants to call attention to. Hot, remember, is healing. It has healing properties. Cold is refreshing. It refreshes you on that hot day. It it helps your body cool down on those hot days. Lukewarm is sickening because it has too much stuff in it. And it will cause you to vomit. And Jesus doesn't want this. What Jesus is saying is the effectiveness of the water temperature diminishes the further away it gets from the source. Can you see where I'm going? Can you see where Jesus is going with this? Saying that the effectiveness of the water temperature diminishes the further it gets away from the source. The closer you are to the source, the more healing and refreshing you become. The church becomes. And he's telling this church, you've gone after so much and you think that you're so self-sufficient that you don't even realize you've moved far away from the source and it has diminished your healing possibilities and your refreshing possibilities for the city so much so that you are sick and you don't even know it. That would get your attention, wouldn't it? This church has moved so far away from Jesus' presence that they were no longer healing or refreshing to their city. Oh, what an indictment. Lord, help us. In fact, Dr. Michael Gorman puts it this way. Lukewarm here means that they are so supposedly self-sufficient as to be completely out of fellowship with Jesus. This is not a middle-of-the-road church, but the most accommodating. They are fully embracing the lifestyle and the values of the elite and powerful. And that means they have moved away from the source of their healing and refreshing. And they are ceasing to be that. They are beginning to be sick. So it's important that we look into this because this matters to Jesus and it's because it matters to Jesus that they, the church, are a source of healing and refreshment for the city that they find themselves in. He has to correct them. He has to get them back on on course. And if he has to say, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth to grab their attention, if he has to use every metaphor for that city, he's going to use that to get a hold of their attention and move them back into the ethos of who he's all about and what he's all about and what will bring healing to that city. Now you may be saying, doesn't it just still seems a bit harsh, Pastor Jeff? It's a bit harsh. I, I don't like having that thing cracked on my head. Then I want to direct your attention back to this verse, verse 19. It says, I reprove and discipline those whom I what? Love. Those of you who have been parents, you understand this dichotomy. That yes, love includes the fun times. Love includes the snuggles. Love includes the hugs, the kisses. Love includes the gifts that you give to them. Love includes all of those things. But love also includes reproach. Love also includes discipline. 
If you have ever been around a parent who just lets their kid do whatever that kid wants and never says one thing about them, do you want to be around that kid much? No. And would you say that parent is being loving? No. They're being neglectful. And Jesus loves people. And he loves them enough to give them salvation and to transform their lives so that they can become refreshing and healing for their cities and their worlds. And he loves them enough that when they're not, he corrects them and gets their attention. Just like when your kid is about to do something and you know it's not going to end well, you do whatever you can to get their attention, don't you? Hey, stop that. Knock it off. Moms are so good at it, they just get a look. I can't even do it. (laughs) Gets their attention. Jesus reproves and disciplines those whom he loves. I got this slide a little backwards. It's the word reprove equals the Greek word elegho. I can't speak this morning. Elegho. You want to say that with me, don't you? Ready? One, two, three. Elegho. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Elegho. And it does mean to re- rebuke, but it also means to expose. It's what Jesus is doing right here. He's rebuking them. Yes, he's calling them back into, but he's exposing the ways, the things that they are involved in are not refreshing or healing and they're sick and they need what he has to offer. They need gold refined by him for their poverty. They need white garments from Him to cover their nakedness. They need His touch to be able to see again. And He longs to give that to them. He's exposing their sickness and saying, here's what you need. This is beautiful. The word discipline there is the word pi duo. That doesn't mean two pies, although that sounds really good right about now. Pi duo. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Pi duo. Say it one more time. One, two, three. Pi duo. Literally, it means to train a child. To educate them. When they're moving in that direction, we're going to educate. And because Jesus loves us, loves you, loves the church, when he sees us moving off, he's going to expose how unhealthy that is, and he's going to work to train and to educate, to bring back in line, to bring some discipline to the moment. Will you trust Jesus to do that in your life? Will we as a church trust Jesus to do that for us? Jesus loves us enough to tell us when we have moved away from His presence and helps us correct the course. That's what this is all about. Jesus longs for you and me, for us, to be close to Him. It's a beautiful message. A beautiful story. And in fact, the very next verse tells us that He doesn't wait for us to come to Him. He comes to us. What does verse 20 say? Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. He's not far away. In fact, he's on the door. He's longing to get in. He's knocking, saying, will you open the door? And if you open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. And in that day and age, that meant you accepted that person. Jesus is there. He's knocking at the door, longing for you to open up and let him 
so that you can be in close proximity with the source, with his presence. So you may be asking yourself, and especially if you're brand new to this, okay, so how do I open the door? What, what's the step? I, I don't know. Is there you know, a spiritual doorknob? What do, what do I do here to open the door to Jesus? Well, we're told, be earnest, therefore, and repent. Be earnest. Do you long to be near His presence? Do you long to be in His presence? If so, then all you have to do is turn around. That's what repent means. I was going this direction. Now I'm going after Jesus. I want to open that door. I sincerely long for Him to come in. And I want Him to be near me. For us to have meals together. For us to share life together. That is what he calls us to and invites us to. So I offer this question as we close. Friends, do do you need to return to the source? Do, Do you feel inside like there is something lacking? You just can't see how faith makes sense and faith empowers your life. And it just seems like, mm, I, I just can't see it anymore. Maybe, maybe you've drifted away. Maybe, maybe you've, you've attached a, an aqueduct pipe to the source thinking that it will still maintain you and your distance. And I'll just go around in my life however I, I need to do. I'll just be distant, but it'll be okay. And you're just seeing, sensing it's become lukewarm. Jesus is knocking at the door. Let, let's get close together again. Do you need to return to the source? Church, cross-community church, here and online, do we need to return to the presence of the source? Have we gotten so involved in other things and gone after other things that we're just saying, oh yeah, but I'll be there on Sunday, Jesus. I'll be there. And Jesus is now knocking at the door saying, hey, can I come in? I want, I want you to be close. I, I, I want you to be near to the source. Maybe that's why Jesus left us with a meal. This verse closes with, not just I'll come in and I'll forgive your sins, which Jesus will do, but I will come in and what? Eat with you. I will sup with you, is a King James Version. Supper. And so we are reminded that Jesus left us with bread and cup. He left us with a meal. To remember, yes, the cost of what it meant for Him to become the source of our life. But he left us with something. Think about this for a second. We believe in the church of the Nazarene that somehow through this little tiny bit of grape juice and this little wafer cracker, that somehow the presence of Jesus, the grace of Jesus is here. And it somehow enters into us. Isn't that interesting what Jesus says? If you open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. That he longs to be 
in us. Not a source alongside us, a source that is in us. And we believe somehow, mysteriously, that His grace and His presence enters into us through this little bit of bread and this little bit of juice. That somehow Jesus takes ordinary things, imbues them with His grace and His presence, and transforms them into His body. And then our longing is that we become what we eat. That as Jesus in His presence uses these ordinary things and transforms them for His extraordinary purposes, that it goes into ordinary human beings and transforms them so that we begin to do extraordinary things like being hot and healing for our world and our city. And we become refreshing for our city. Church, whenever I see online about how we here in the church in America are persecuted. And I, I sometimes wonder, okay, is, is that actual persecution? Or have we become so far away from being healing or refreshing that the world longs to spit us out? We need to return to the source. We need to return to the presence of Christ. And that's why you and I and you who are online were invited to share a meal with Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes wherever you are right now. And I just want you and Jesus to have a little conversation. For some of you, this meal will be, yes, celebration that Jesus is present in my life. And I'm, I'm seeing that healing move out into the world around me. I'm, I'm seeing refreshing. I'm getting to participate in the refreshing of my world, my family, my workplace. And this is just, yeah, I want more of the source. I want more grace. I want to be transformed more to participate with that. And then for some of us, we will hear this message today as reproach, as a rebuke, as Jesus getting our attention, knocking on the door saying, you may go to church, but you left me outside. And I don't want you to feel ashamed right now. Jesus is trying to get your attention. Because he longs to come in. He wants you to be near him. He wants to be in you. And his call is for you to come to the table and receive his presence in the bread and the juice. And so take a moment and just ask Jesus. Jesus, will you come in? Will you come in? follow you. I want to be as close to you as this bread and cup are going to be in just a second. I need you inside of me. Take a moment. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread broken, 
saying, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. On that same night, he took the cup. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. for is you and for some strange reason you have called us out to be your body to be your hands and your feet Lord Jesus the truth is sometimes we move far and farther away from the source and we lose that ability to be healing in our world, that, that ability to be refreshing to our world. Sometimes it gets so bad, we, we can't even be healing or refreshing to one another. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for this message to the church of Laodicea, which is the message to us today, that you long for us to be in your presence and you will stand at the door and you will knock and you will wait because you love us and you will call us out and you will correct us because you love us. And we thank you for providing the means, the opportunity for us to return to you. So we ask you to come in among us and walk among us, Lord Jesus. Be the source of healing for our world. Be the source of refreshment for our world. Give us the things we need and heal our blindness. Send us out now as we we have received you into us. Transform our lives that we might go out with you as the source agents of healing and refreshing in our world. For we pray and we ask all these things in your name. And everyone said, Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing? And now, my brothers and sisters here and online, I pray that you will forever seek to be as close as you can to Jesus. May that bring healing to you like hot water is. May it surround you and heal all your brokenness. I pray that you will be as close to the source of refreshment as you possibly can. And that you will sense that every drink of His love transforms you and heals you and refreshes you more and more. And then, brothers and sisters, may we go as healing
presence to our world. As refreshing presence to our world. And take Him wherever we go. May we also experience the loving reproach whenever we get too far away. May we always hear the door and be ready to open and walk with Him all the way. I pray this blessing upon you in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you for joining us online. If you're interested in the trip to Cactus, Texas, make sure you make your way to room 105. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. Go in his name. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website.